passage is already disobedient as was previously read. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, this past week in our nation we celebrated Juneteenth Day. And I have to honestly say, I did not know what that was. And I taught school for years. I never heard of it. But I learned. It is a day set aside to commemorate the emancipation, the setting free of the African American slaves. On June 19, 1865, federal troops arrived in Galveston, Galveston, Texas, to free the 250,000 enslaved people in the United States. Now, you probably remember from your school history being taught that President Lincoln freed the enslaved people of the United States on January 1st, in 1863, with the Emancipation Proclamation. And it may surprise you that slavery did not end that day. But instead, it lingered on for almost two and a half years as the country struggled through the Civil War. Spiritually, spiritually incredible as it may seem, we have people today, maybe some of us sitting here, or some of you out there watching this at home, who are held in slavery, even though over 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, as Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The war is ended. The battle is over. The victory has been won. He said, you are free. You are free from the slavery, the sin, death, and eternal damnation. But what does that mean? What does that mean? And, and why, why do so many people still misunderstand what freedom in Christ is all about. Why are so many out there, and maybe some here today, troubled with freedom in Christ? Well, many years ago, Dr. William Glasser, a very famous, popular psychologist, once cut through all the cloud of theories on how to counsel troubled people with his best-selling book, Reality Therapy. And in his work, he contended that many people are unable to realistically satisfy their needs. So they behave irresponsibly because they, and I quote, deny the reality of the world around them. He said it was all about choices. And Glasser, he quit trying to understand people, and he chose instead to confront them. 
though he was not writing from a viewpoint of a Christian, he was far from the inventor of reality therapy. St. Paul begins to it by 20 centuries, and the apostle is writing us today a Christian message as well. He wants us to understand what freedom is all about. Freedom in Christ. First of all, he says, freedom that seeks to get its own way is totally false. Totally false. It's not the freedom that gives us life. Both Jesus and St. Paul reserve some of their most bitter comments for those who use religion as a means to get others to do what they want. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 23, verse 15. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. These guys taught obedience to the law, which creates false pride, false security, and brought no salvation. And Paul was dealing with the same type of situation with the Galatians. He had the Judaizers. They thought the Old Testament laws were still binding on Christians. You want to follow Jesus? That's gracious. But you still must obey the laws. That was not freedom in Christ. And Paul also warned those who live to get what they want for themselves. All those acts of the flesh listed there in Verses 19 and 20 and 21, they're not freedom in Christ. Verse 21, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ has nothing to do with choosing your own way. It has nothing to do with seeking self-pleasure. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That's not freedom that gives life. The true freedom that gives life is revealed to us by and in Christ. It all comes from his love for us. But there's no limit to what we can do when we have and give away what God first has given to us. The only true freedom comes from God. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to be born in Bethlehem as a tiny baby. And Jesus took on our flesh and he became one of us to live and die for all of our sins. Jesus, the Holy Son of God, took on our flesh to do what we could not do. He lived a perfect life. We can't do that. And then he gives his life as a sacrifice 
for all of our mistakes. That's the love of God for you and for me. And now, because he rose from the dead, because of Jesus, we have total freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from the threats of the devil. And freedom from eternal damnation. We have forgiveness. We have life everlasting. That's freedom. Real freedom. Eternal freedom. Freedom to live as God's children. Freedom to share his gifts with others. Freedom to have heaven as our home. Paul's list of the fruits of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23, they map out how the Christian life freely expresses itself as it seeks no longer to be served, but to serve others. There's no law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law at all for those things. The Holy Spirit living in us produces our faith and moves us to walk with the Spirit. In our baptism, and in here at the Lord's table, God's love is showered upon us so that we are filled with his spirit. Thanks be to God for sending our Savior to make us free. Martin Luther discovered that the Greek word for freedom was very similar to the spelling of his own name. And for a time, he called himself Martin Freedom. Now, he did that not to, because he wanted to generate publicity for himself, but he did it to teach those who would hear that what he had learned, I should say, from Paul's epistle to the Galatians. The old Martin lived no longer, but instead, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the freedom reality that the Bible teaches. It's the truth which sets you free. One last story. One of the most unusual Christian testimonies I've ever read concerns the life of one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game, Babe Ruth. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard of him, or maybe you've read about him, or watched the movie. He had a very challenging child. I believe his mother passed away when he was young, raised by a father who ran a bar, and Babe was, he was just wild and unruly. Finally, his dad couldn't control him anymore, and so he, he placed him in an orphanage. And there he found baseball, or baseball found him. He made it to the big leagues, and oh boy. But with money and fame, well, his life was sometimes pretty wild and out of control. And near the end of his life, 
proud of his harem, scarum, reckless lifestyle. In December 1946, he was facing a very serious operation, and his friend, Paul Carey, confronted him. They're going to operate in the morning, Dave, Paul said. Don't you think that you ought to put your house in order? And here's what the baby promised. I didn't dodge the long, challenging look in his eyes. For the first time, I realized that death might strike me out. I nodded. And Paul called in a chaplain, and I made full confession. The next morning, the priest arranged to give the babe holy communion. And for the first time in a long while, Babe Ruth could rest peacefully. This is what he wrote. As I lay in bed that evening, I thought to myself, what a comforting feeling to be free from fear and words. I could simply turn them over to God. With Christ, that is the reality of freedom in which we live. And so today, I pray that if there's anyone here who's burdened with sin and heartaches, with pain and anguish, if anyone feels the weight of guilt and consciousness, please dump those fears and worries at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus. For there is where God says, you will have freedom and forgiveness and life. Not for the moment, but for eternity. Thanks be to Jesus, my friend. Thanks be to Jesus. And now the peace which only comes from above fill our hearts.